Good afternoon, guys. Good to see you, Dave. Good to see you, Phil. Mr. Hall, Mr. Phil, how are we, boys? How are we doing? Friday again? Shining, all of that. It's lovely. Can't grumble. We've got... I've got a bit of thunder, boys. I've got a bit of thunder this way. A little bit... A little bit of thunder. You might pick it up in the back. Is that your stomach? It's not, because I've eaten, and I've eaten well. So I'm good. I'm good. What, have you had rice and beans? Uh, No. So I've been out of the pitch this morning. So on the way back from the pitch, we called off at a local spot, and I had mushrooms with some sort of like nuts on on toast and it was ace sounds like the kind of crap andy you'd have <laughs> it was good it was good mate it was good oh it starts already i was just i was just going to be sympathetic to you there phil as well how's how's your teeth by the way oh yes 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 Terrible. too fake what time is it 2.30. It's nearly 2.30. It's ne- oh, Phil, it's nearly 2.30. That 2:30. was the pun I was going to throw in in 15 minutes. <laughs> Here we go. Very good. I ain't gone a second. Dev, you've, you've brought somebody with you. Who's your mate? Well, you you chaps keep bringing super interesting people, so I thought I'd better raise my game and get somebody on board. So we got Mr. John Prince. John, how are you, bud? I'm doing very well, thanks. Very well. Good to be here. Nice to meet you, John. Welcome on board to Talking Cod. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to to finding out more about what Cod is. Well, we're trying to work that out ourselves, if I'm honest with you, uh, on a on a on a weekly basis. But John, John for the benefit, I'm, I'm I'm done with the one. We always say for the benefit of our listener, like we we we're we're moving on now because we do have a good volume of listeners. So, John, for the benefit of our listeners. Tell them who you are. Tell them, tell them, tell them about yourself. Uh, yeah, great question. So um, I'm John Prince. I'm also known as the Perception Coach, um, which is my business name and kind of my online name. Um, and I'm a life and mindset coach, and I work with people all, from all around the world to help them um, improve their life in whatever area that is and, and from a mindset perspective, how they think, what they do, and how they feel and how to shift all of that to move in the direction that they want. Um, previously, I was a professional poker player, and that was something that I did for nine years. Oh, I never um, knew that. Yeah, over that time, I played 90% online, and then I'd travel around as well and, and play tournaments around the world occasionally. Um, but it really pushed me. It really tested me um, from a mental point of view in terms of how to stay confident, how to deal with the highs and lows of gambling. And there was a lot of crossover between doing that poker-wise and then in my own personal life as well. Um, and I managed to – I dived into personal development really to to be able to navigate that, to to deal with my own thoughts and my own doubts and everything that was going on. And um, after years of experimenting and trying things and going to therapy and working on myself and um, learning all these different strategies and techniques and meditating – I kind of find out, found out a few th- things that worked um, and start to see life in a different way. And then and everything changed me. And then my, my purpose changed from playing poker. I wanted to help other people. And I didn't know which platform or how to do that. So I tried a lot of different things and then ended up figuring out that coaching for me is just the most effective route because you can blend all the, all the different things that you've learned and experienced and techniques together mm. to really just help somebody else um, in a way that works for them as well. I can try a lot of different techniques. Everybody's different. I might use one technique on one person and something different on somebody else. Um, and so I just dived into that and, and then started coaching. And then I've been 
full-time coaching for around three, three and a half years, something like that now. Um, and, and at the beginning of that process, so before that, I've had the Instagram page for about maybe six years, something like that now. And, and I started posting about what had helped me with my journey um, because I just wanted to share it with everyone. I was so excited about it. Um, and I, I made a commitment to post a, a video and a quote every day for a year. And that kept me in the game when it got hard um, and slowly started to build up a few followers on there. And um, and it was kind of along that journey. I was like, oh, I'm sharing all this stuff, but I don't really know how to help people. Um, you know, I can give people advice or tell people stuff, but that's not really going to work if I'm going to help people. How do I do that? And then, yeah, moved across into coaching and then just have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people from all around the world and just slowly building that experience. So, Brilliant. What an intro. I, I guess I also left out, I'm also a dad and a husband as well. I've got two, two little kids. I've got a boy who is going to be two in June and a girl who's going to be four in June and they also are my greatest teachers <laughs> they've pushed me beyond, yeah. beyond uh, all limits into my own mental capacity as well so that's also a fun challenge to navigate what what are they both like at poker they've they've not dipped their toe in yet but um we'll see my my son Josh he just loves football all he wants to do is kick a ball or throw a ball and my daughter She's just very got really amazing memory. So she just memorizes everything, which is amazing. But um, yeah, I don't know what direction they'll go. But if they want to go the, the poker route, I can show them a few a few tips and tricks. Do, do you still play? I haven't played in three years. I literally quit. I, I there was some crossover where I was began coaching and working with clients as I was playing, and I actually went back to university and studied a master's in psychology while I was still playing poker because i just wanted to learn more about how we work and how we operate as human beings and um i did that crossing over but for three years i've not played so did you have to unlearn that that part of you in terms of the the poker side it was just more something that i i did and i really enjoyed it but having done it for nine years mm. it went from one of those things where you enjoy it and you can't wait to play and you're really excited to to, to play to then you have to do it because it's your career um, and then I kind of lost a bit of the passion for it. It was like I was trying to force myself to play rather than being pulled in to want to do it. So it's really interesting that speaker, we speak a lot about this, not just the labels, but why we do things. And sometimes when we do things because we're just getting paid and we fall out of love with it, you know, it's very difficult to put your energy into it. Did, did you find it was draining you at times or was it like emptying the tank? Yeah, definitely. You know, especially when for me, poker was a big part of my life and it and it became mm. like, I'm a poker player. And that was what I predominantly did. I'd play poker or I'd see friends. And so mm. when it went well, it was great. And when it didn't go well, it was terrible because I didn't really have too many other outlets. <clears throat> so I had to kind of learn to have other areas of my life that I could look to for like, um, you know, seeing friends more, seeing family, having hobbies, trying different things. Um, mm. I even went into to volunteering just to do something different and that opened up a whole new um, world for me but it was just very much poker so yeah when it wasn't going well it was it was tough and then I started to lose the love for it and then I was yeah trying to force that a bit and uh, and it was tough and I work with a lot of poker players now on their mindset 
um, as a coach. And and the ones that are top, top, top of the game that have been there for 10, 15 years, that's still doing really well, making really good money, they just love it. They're obsessed with it. You know, they just still love studying, still love improving. And it's just a hallmark of the players that really are doing well. There's players that do very well, but not quite as well. And they're the ones that have to force it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But when the ones that really, really love it, they're just still consistently doing incredibly well, which is really impressive over such a long period of time. Would you liken that to other kinds of like sport, for example, where people have to continuously improve themselves or else the competition will get better than you? Is it are the parallels in, in, in that arena? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone who's really, really, maybe not everyone, but most people who are incredibly good at what they do, they... Um, they just love it. And that's why they do it so much because there's such a love, there's such a drive. It's one of my favorite things to watch people, anyone in any discipline, when I can just really tell and sense that somebody loves what they do. Um, it's just, I just get an incredible feeling seeing it. I remember years ago, I went and saw Bombay Bicycle Club and um, I don't know who the lead lead kind of singer is in, in there, but just watching him, it just it looked like he's having the time of his life. I, I went to see... Um, Fat Boy Slim, maybe last year or the year before in London, I'm watching him DJ and I'm just seeing someone who's just having the time of their life. It's like he wouldn't need anyone there to, you know, he's just like he's in his bedroom just having the greatest time ever. You can tell it's not fake. He genuinely loves it. So when there's that love for it where if the money's there, great, but if it's not there, great, then that's what's really going to pull someone to to do something for so long. It's it's really really interesting when we when we look at why we do what we do and that drive, that purpose, if you like, you know, for what we do comes back to fulfillment and reward quite often. And talking card is about growing old disgracefully and kind of learning some of these lessons and going, why the f- am I doing that? Why am I even spending seven, eight hours a day doing this when I don't even like it? Is it just because I can get paid and go out and have decent holidays or because I actually want to make a difference in the world? often talk about ikigai so you, i'm sure you're familiar with ikigai you know what am i good at what do we enjoy doing what does the world need and what you know what can i get paid to do and it's interesting that you, you you move away from poker which is pretty much about making money i i guess I'm, I'm sure there's lots of fun in that as well so then coaching and helping people helping people find who they are as well did how, how did you find that your life changed when you became full-time professional coach Mm, it was when I was playing poker in the beginning it wasn't about the money at all it was just really yeah it was like I I was at university studying sports science in Wales in Glamorgan and um I was obsessed with like health and fitness I think because when I was at school I was like one of the skinniest kids in my school so I used to get kind of like picked on for that so I was like I want to get fit I want to get muscly I want to and then I became obsessed with that so I was studying that wanted to be a personal trainer but in the evenings me and my um, two housemates, we would just play poker and we'd play for like 1p, 2p. We'd play for who would the, whoever lost her to do the washing up or whoever lost her to call up the takeaway or go to the door, which everybody hated. I don't know, like to speak to the person and they you know, <laughs> interact, which um, was really funny. But like we just played and played and played and it was the battle. It was like, we want to win, just want to beat you. And, and that was just the obsession of getting better at it and then how to improve. And then over time, the money aspect came in. It's like, oh, you can win good money. And then that became like a secondary part and then probably took over a little bit more of, yeah, you want to win more money. And that was more of a factor. Mm. With coaching, it was like this drive to really 
understand how we function for me to grow personally myself because that's a big part of it and the more i grow the more i can help others grow um and then just techniques of how can i help people change their behaviors and and feel Mm. more aligned and i've just still got an insatiable drive for it if i'm not doing a talking with you guys in a podcast or coaching someone or reading a book or or trying something out i'm you know drive my wife mad because i'm always sharing the latest insight or whatever and you know, and in, in the beginning of the relationship, I'm sure she was loving it. And now it's like, well, you know, five, six years of that, it's like crazy. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an obsession. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what, it, because when, when I'm having a conversation with, with someone, whether I'm getting paid or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's really interesting. And an observation is that, as a coach, you could just see how you responded to those questions. You know, you, you know, your, your eyebrows are raising, your energy is raising as you talk about coaching. So that passion for want of a better description is, is really evident just seeing you. Um, it, it, I find it, I find it fascinating speaking with other coaches because do you remember the, the series heroes? There was a, there was a TV series called heroes. Phil, Phil, you're not in uh, Yeah, I think Chris Eccleston was in it, wasn't it? It was an American show, but Chris Eccleston yeah. was in it. And yeah, yeah, they're all superheroes yeah. by by trade, I guess. I can't remember. Hazy memories. That's that's it. I loved it. I thought it was really cool. And there were there were there were two there were two in particular um, heroes in there. One was like an anti-hero, and they kind of stole people's thoughts. One shared ideas and developed ideas. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember yeah. one? What I'm talking about, Phil, I think Skylar was the other one who just robbed it out of their brains and killed them at the same time. And I, this is probably a really bad analogy. I, I love when I'm, when I'm really into coaching, I love sharing ideas. And then I kind of through osmosis, we just, we just become better as a unit when we kind of share some of these, these great insights. And I completely get that just by asking loads and loads of questions. It's enlightening yourself because you think, how would I answer that question? So I've got to be prepared to answer that question myself. And what do you think, Andy? What do you think, John? And there's, I just want to bring Phil back in again because I forgot you were there for a second, Phil. Sorry. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a point. <laughs> there's a point in our lives when we we kind of undo a lot of who we are. You said, you know, before before John, you were you were a poker player, and that becomes a label. You know, like who are you? probably depends who you're talking to doesn't it you know what you do for a living or who are you oh i'm such a body's dad or such a body's brother i'm such a body's son i'm a poker player phil you've you know you're, you're one of the people i know who i really admire that you've changed your occupation a few times in your career what does it feel like to you to kind of let go of stuff unlearn and then relearn a new identity yeah i mean it's really empowering um i've had Different phase. I mean, they've all sort of overlapped in one way or another, but phase where I was sort of my, you know, I was working in music, trying to do lots of music, getting involved in production and promotion and all that kind of stuff, uh, which was uh, rewarding, but not financially. So, but it was my passion. I was driven to do it, still am. Uh, then I became, well, you know, got some proper jobs. And at the end of that, I became... Uh, a senior manager, an MD, basically at a, um, a company that was a great company, um, but wasn't really aligned with like who I am. And I was, I was literally thinking about this this morning. I, I came out of that, and um, 
had time working with a coach. It was before I knew Andy and before I knew John. Otherwise, it might have been one, one of you guys. But part of that process was going, actually, well, who are you at the core of what you do? What, what's important to you? Like literally what's important? And what do other people think about you? You know, if you go back in and look at those different phases of life, and, and she asked me to do it. It's a brilliant exercise because I don't normally take, you know, um, I, I just don't really like asking for feedback on me, you know, or I don't wallow in, you know, success. But I went back to people that I've worked with prompted by this coach to say, you know, if you were honest, what was it like to work with me? And what did you get out of it? What, what do you think of me? And, and then so there's mm-hmm. that as an exercise coupled with this kind of thing of getting down to the absolute basics of what you're into. And for me, it was like writing, helping businesses with strategy, doing all the stuff that I do, do, but it got clouded like hell, you know, by, by all this. and then the mm. third thing I, I wrote down is like, I really want to be, I really want to, um, I want to, play a more active role in the community I live in. I live in a lovely community in South Manchester. It's a really lovely place to live and I wanted to do more. And then literally this morning I've been asked to become trustee of a local um, charitable cafe um, down the road. And that's like, nice. I, I couldn't be more overwhelmed by that because it's it was one of, the, one of those things that when I really drilled down into, I wasn't this... MD swanning off to can and, you know, speaking to TV people. I wasn't this musician occasionally DJed in New York, you know, at, at my soul. I was, I, I, these things are really important to me, you know, and, and reconnecting with all of that just was the most powerful thing. And I, there's no looking back for me now. Now I know who I am, what I enjoy mm-hmm. doing, what makes me feel like I'm in flow. You know, I'd never go back to any anything other than who I, I feel I am now. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us, Phil. It sounds like you've had a powerful experience through having coaches. I've had coaches as well. Um, sounds like you've you found it quite easy by by undoing who you were because you're stepping into something better. But John, just just wondering, how how do you work with the coachee who wants a simplified way of undoing who they are, letting go of who they are to become somebody who they who they want to be. One of the words I picked up on from Phil was it was cloudy. You know, so is are there are there simple steps to take? Because it does sound overwhelming at times when you've got so much going on in your life. What strategies have you used? Yeah, I think it, it might be simple but but not not easy. Um the way that mm. I look at it and I help a client is we look at what our what are the facts of what happens in life? And then what are the stories and perceptions that they put onto those um, facts? And then that helps them get clear on what they're adding onto it versus what's the reality. Because typically that our identity is like built up through a lot of the stories we have created about ourselves, the decisions we've made about ourselves and these identities we pick up, which is, you know, what's impressive about Phil's journey is he's willing to, to step into new identities. That's very scary for people. I know when I left playing poker and then moved into coaching, it felt really, you know, 
who am I to do this? This isn't me. I'm not a coach. It's only I've been doing it for three years now that I'm actually starting to feel like I am a coach. Like that's part of my identity. It's been, you know, people say, oh, who are you? What do you do? And I say, I'm a life coach, but it doesn't feel like, you know, it still felt like a fraud or, you know, I'm trying this on. And it's only now it's really starting to be more embodied into that. So it's, it's going through that process, but seeing that our identity is, is almost more of a choice than we see it is and that we chose that for ourselves without realizing it and at any point we can start to change that and choose that again because when we say I am a coach I am a dad these are we're the one that says I am and then the coach Mm -hmm. or the dad or whatever other label we give ourselves is then what we've chosen for ourselves but we get confused in that and forget that and we get lost in well you know, this is just what I am, so I can't change. Interesting. So do, do you find that when people give themselves a label, they become more of that label? Once they go, I am a coach, they really build, actually own that label then? I think it's more challenging when somebody doesn't know that they are the label, and we often don't. So, oh, yes. you know, when the, the label's happened, um, especially in this is any domain, but someone might say, I'm mm. anxious. And then it's just become this this label they've put on themselves or someone Mm. else has given to them. And then it's just happening, but they're not really aware that it is a label. It's just, it's actually real for them, like it's true. Yeah. It's really interesting that because I was at an event yesterday speaking with some some delegates and there's the feeling that some people are using diagnoses as, as an excuse to be a different kind of person. For example, ADHD, autism for example so i've got members of my family with autism and adhd and i work with lots of people who are neurodiverse some of them will use it as a superpower and go right and i to lean into this and some people will use it as an excuse to be an arsehole for want of a better description have, have you found that, that some people can just use identity and labels as an excuse to you know just to not be the kind of human being they should be definitely yeah i mean the the, the thing that i see is often when someone says well that's just me and I don't mm. think that is that's just you because you're choosing to 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 continue to do something um, when you have choice. Now, I think it, it's it's a where it's a more grey area is that there are certain conditions that people have that they can't they don't really choose, and it does happen. And I kind of look at it in a way of it's a little bit like if, if somebody doesn't have an arm. And then, you know, they say, I've got one arm. That's just true. That's the reality of it. Yeah. And there's no, they might be able to then get a prosthetic arm or or whatever else they could do to, to develop that. But that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's somebody who's overweight, for example, and then, then just say, well, I'm just overweight. But then they could start training and it would be very challenging if they'd never mm-hmm. done that before and they're going to be out of shape, get in shape and get better. So there's a the, the, the distinction worth seeing that there are certain neurological problems that people have that they, they can't do too much about. But how they approach it after that is definitely, definitely very, very um, key because mm. they can see that as something that keeps them stuck or move forward. But something like ADHD, for example, is, is something that can be dramatically improved um, through making choices around doing meditation and learning to single task and, and working with it and anxiety as well. So it's the massive example. Um, we all experience it, 
but some people have what might be called clinical anxiety where it's really harboring them in their lives. But if they just took that on as a label and didn't do it, you know, well, I've got anxiety, so I can't go to the job interview or I can't do things. Mm. Then it becomes an excuse that then becomes really detrimental to that person, even though it feels Mm. like it might be comfortable um, for them to be able to say, so I, I'm experiencing anxiety and I want to do something about it, then that's a really powerful place to to come from. Yeah. So you're not really owning the label as such. It's just a part of who you are. It's, it's, yeah, it could be a, a part. I think that's a good term because we all have different parts. We like to think of mm. ourselves as one particular identity, but we have many different mm. parts. Um, like we have many different identities, you know, I can be the the same me, but when I'm in dad role, it's different to coach role, different yeah. to work role. So we show up in different ways, but we can bring our authentic self to that, which is our values, it's our beliefs, it's what's important to us, which mm. is why I'm the same person talking to you guys as I am with my wife, as I am with my friends, as I am with my clients. But I show up in very different ways and talk to people in very different ways, given what the situation requires. So I might be harsh in one area because that's what will get the result that's needed. And I might be softer yeah. in other areas. So there's, there's seeing that, but also I think what's helpful rather than a label is to say like, I'm experiencing. So for example, with anxiety, I, I experience anxiety versus I am anxious. When it becomes an identity like that, you then bring anxiety with you wherever you go. Whereas when we really look at someone, if they are anxious, there's going to be times in their life where they're not anxious. Are you anxious mm. sat watching TV relaxing? No. Are you anxious when you're out with friends? Yes. Okay, well, let's look at what's happening there. What are you believing mm. about the situation and see if we can shift that. I think there's so much, we're so much more changeable than we know we are, but it does take letting go of the identities that we've had for ourselves, um, mm. which is, that's one of the things that when you go through that process of letting that go, it's powerful and it doesn't ever leave you. And that's what kind of happened to me around five, six years ago, years ago when I did really get into personal development more as I had that real shift of like Mm. this aha moment where I'm like, whoa, what I've been believing about myself simply isn't true. Um, And it's just an incredible feeling. And then once you've had that, even when you are anxious or you feel like you can't handle it or life's too much and all the stuff's getting on top of you, you realize that it's all just being created by the thinking that we have. Mm. Really, really appreciate you translating it as, as an experience and it is experiential. And it's almost that our translation of that experience is what we know it as in some respects. Can't help but thinking sometimes that our ego really kind of kicks in at some point, you know, are you saying this about me? Does this mean, you know, is, does this mean I'm under attack again? And I wonder that how people respond differently to feedback, which is intended in one way, but received in another. Yeah. It's, it's whether the feedback is personal or not. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a member of a, I don't know if I'm still a member actually, cause I've not been for about a year now, but I did Toastmasters, which is public speaking, oh, yeah. which yeah. is, is great. And I, I got a, a huge amount from that. And um, you speak and it's in a non-judgmental environment. So you get lots of feedback from people. You get up and you speak and then people say, well, this is what was good. This is where you could improve. And mm. and um, I remember doing a talk once and I'd been doing it for quite a while. And um, this lady gave me feedback and it was like 
pretty negative from the off and uh, I could feel myself getting like really hot and my brain wanting to shut down and not listen. But I just said like, just stay in it and see what you hear. Right. Versus shutting mm. down or making her right or her wrong. Cause my initial thing was like, well, I don't want to hear it or who's, who's she and everything, but it's just self-protection. And I just listened. And some of what she said was really helpful. And, and some of what she said, I didn't really think was useful but it Mm. showed that she wasn't just right or wrong and it wasn't good or bad she was just giving feedback and if you're open to it some of it can be useful but we do shut down um and we want to just kind of stay in the same mindset we've always been which is what makes coaching quite challenging because people might think they want to change but they don't realize what that process really means and it's yeah I, i always one of the things i start off with people is i have a few um, agreements I like to make. And one of them is that they're open and coachable. And that means really trying on something new by me, a new thought, a new behavior or mm. a new experience and just see if you like it. You don't have to like it. You don't not. Mm. And the other one's tra- taking something off. And that might be, you know, a behavior that you've had or an identity that you've had for a very yeah. long time. And that can feel scary. It's interesting. It's almost like an item of clothing. Does this fit or not? Exactly. Yeah. How, yeah. Does, how does that feel? You know, does it does it suit you? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good visual expression. That um, sounds like a paradigm shift moment as well. And when we're talking about feedback, Dave, we were talking offline before the show about you received a little <laughs> bit of feedback recently, and you didn't respond as as well as. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to bring you in on this one, but it sounds like um, it sounds like a not a, not a pleasant experience for you. Everything we're talking about here is is awesome because it's. A lot of the things we talk about, I always find are very, very relevant uh, to me. And I went through a period in my life where I, I got to a point where I didn't really know who I was to them working through that and getting into an understanding of go, right, I, I know who I am now uh, and what I'm all about. But with that, one of the things I've learned is that's you've got to be able to flex and adapt with it. Otherwise you will always stay the same and you will always be the same. And that isn't necessarily the right thing. And I think, you know, I had a, an experience, let's say an experience this week where somebody has said something to me and which was quite personal, which questioned who I was and what I was doing, because what I do is part of who I am. And this isn't like from a personal, but this isn't work related. It's the personal, personal side of it. And the way I was and what I was doing was having an adverse effect in, in some ways. Okay. And, and in the past, when that would have happened to me, I'd have literally just shut the, shut us down. Right. Come on. Not having any of that. But I, I listened and I took a step back and, like you were saying then, John, some of it I'm going, well, I'm not having that with that. You know, I'm, I'm discounting that. But the other th- the other items I'm going, bloody hell, right. Okay, I get what you're saying. And I think, yes, it was upsetting, 100%. But I think the more upsetting thing was I didn't realise I was doing it. That was the big thing. It, I wasn't aware of it and the impact that it was having. Uh, and then... And then since then going, okay, what do I do with this? And how do I make that change? Because I've, I've been like that for quite an extended period of time. That isn't just something that you can go, I was this, 
I was doing this and now I need to do this. Now I'm in the process of going, okay, trying to unpack that and, and make those changes. But when you do that, you start behaving differently. And then you've got other people that are around you going, what's up with him? Why is he being like this? And why is that? You end up in this flux because you're known for that. That's Dave. This is what he's all about all the time. But you need to make those changes, which means you're visibly behaving differently. You're doing things differently. And people that sit around that, that may be not part of that, are going, what's going on here? And then you get into a situation where everyone's going, what's wrong? What's going on <laughs> So it's... It's really strange. It's really strange. Yeah, as, as, almost as, as a ripple effect, doesn't it? I, I find that kind of feedback, which is invisible to you, but obvious to everybody else, that's the kind of feedback which is the least palatable feedback. John Prince, perception coach. Could you coach King Cod through that um, through that little experience there? Do you have any techniques to help him with that? Okay, so what in terms of the behaviour that you might need to change, what, what is that? Uh, maybe a bit too obsessive with certain things. So I'm quite, I love a good routine. I absolutely love a routine. And I also, but I, I'm, I know that that needs to be flexible uh, and it does need to flex. In my life, because of what I do is, a, because of what I do as, as job wise, a lot, I have lots and lots and lots of things on the go at any one time. And at any one time, nothing is really complete, completing a lot of the time. So the non-work-related things that I do that is driven by a routine might be small and frequent things, but there are things that I do that complete and finish. So I feel like I'm achieving something with it. And also, hopefully, are beneficial to other people uh, around me. But some of those things were having a negative, Im- a negative impact on other people that I completely didn't realize. So mm. I'm now in the process of trying to sort that out. And it's a bit strange because I am, you know, I, I, I'm one of those, you know, most of the time I'm up at six, I'm up at six, da, 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 I'm doing that. I've got a ton of flexibility within my day. And then in the evening, I'm possibly, so I'm, I'm more regimented in, in the morning. My day's got flexibility because it needs to have it. And I'm more regiment, regimented in the evening. It's bringing, I've got to get that flexibility back into the non-work-related things. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So so I'm hearing like there's there's routine that happens. and And so that gives you some sort of structure and allows you to complete a lot of tasks is that right it is and when i'm doing it oh wow the thing when i'm doing it i feel like i'm moving forward and because i'm moving forward and actioning things the subliminal part of my head is like it's like meditation it's like it's just working stuff out it's doing things it's getting up and running like when i run the subliminal part of things my brain's working out so it's that that routine that i do in the morning opens up my day to be like right i'm organized now and then it's like I'm preparing for the day in the morning and then unpacking it all in the evening. What's the what's the impact that that's having on others? Other people need to be doing other things. And because I'm doing my, I'm in the way. I'm in the way. And people are holding back and not doing their stuff because Dave's here. This is what he's doing. And, it, and, it, and which is great because other people have flexibility. But I think it gets to a point with other people that, they, you know, it's just like, I can't, you got to sort of shit out, Dave, because you, you, you're impacting on other people. 
and I wasn't aware of that. What would have to happen for you to to change this? I need to stop doing some of the things that I'm doing or the way that I'm doing them, basically. That's that's what I need to do. That's what I need. And I've started. I've started because it's like anything, isn't it? If you want to affect change, you can either recognise it and do it because you want to do it or you're doing it because you've reached a point where it's like there's a switch, isn't there? You have to do it. And this is, I think I'd reached a point where I was just like, you've got to sort this out now. You've got, you've got to change it. And like anything, it comes back to the individual, doesn't it? That I've got, I've got to want to do it. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to make that change. And, and what would you have to give up in order to make the change? I guess I'm not, I'm not giving anything up as, I don't, am I giving anything up? I don't think I am. Maybe I'm not. It's just some, I'd have to give up doing what I'm doing. Because it's actions, it's things, it's things that it's things that I do, my little routines that I do. But you could describe them as localisms, you know. But it, it's, I'd have, I don't think I'm necessarily. It's not like I'm giving up things or or or, or an or, or an item that that sits with it. It's 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 literally like you've been doing this. Don't do that, or don't do. Or you've been doing these things. Don't do all of those things. Do some of those things or do them all, but don't do them then. So it's not, what I'm hearing, it's not like a completely black and white, like you're doing loads of stuff, you have to stop and do all of it. It's like you could stop some of it and that would have an impact. Absolutely. On the money. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Because yeah. quite often we, when when we're going from like one habit to another, it can feel like a, such a dramatic swing. You know, for me, I was um, massive, massive people pleaser and wanted to make everybody happy. And I was like, well, so the opposite of that is I have to become like an arsehole. I have to be like really horrible and mean to people. And didn't realize like the middle ground was I could just be more honest, and then that would meet in the middle because I was just being being. But you can go the other side where you might be doing certain behaviours and then you're like, right, I'm going to give them all up. And then you meet in the middle of maybe one or two of them are useful and the others aren't. The same with social media, right? Someone might just use it and they're like, well, this isn't good for me, so I just quit. And then they realise, well, quitting, then I don't connect with anybody or anything. So maybe the middle ground is I just go on there um, once a week or once a day and and I have a certain time and then that works. So it's finding out kind of what's right there. Um, last question for you. If you did make the, the the changes that you wanted to make there, what would be the benefit for those around you? Peace. <laughs> I think I think it'd be I think it it would be there'd be a lot of benefits because I'm not they just be able they just get on and do what they needed to do rather than having to navigate having to navigate around me. That's 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 one of the key things. That's one of the key things, I think. And what you've just said there as well, it it's it's is is what's the happy medium or what what's the balance? Because in the past, you know, two or three years ago, it was either on or off. It was black or white. There was nothing in between. On every level, it went from one extreme to another. And now I I do take comfort in the fact that I am 
I do. This is the other thing. I, I go, well, I am flexible. I am agile. I am the man that sits in the middle. I've got all that. And somebody has said, no, you're not because of it. And I've gone, oh, shit, really? And and that's what's probably, that's the thing that's probably muddled with my brain a little bit because I'm like, I am not. And I'm like going, okay, right, all right, okay, yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got a point, you've got a point. But again, that is the thing about having your own perceptions about yourself, yes. which might be are probably informed by a good chunk of your, your your day, your sort of professional work kind of thing. But then you think, well, I'm that person all the time. And I suppose, as John said, you, you might be the same person all the time, but the way you react and the way you communicate and all those kind of thing flex, depending on the situation that you're in at any any given point in the day, you know. So I think being being aware, I mean, that's an amazing, uh, you know, to be forced to be aware of those behaviours or those things that drive, might drive other people mad that you don't think, you know, you are, you think you're agile and that's, you know, to, to have that played back and then for you to accept that and go, yeah, okay, well, and work out with, with John's uh, sage guidance there that actually there is this happy medium where I don't have to be, carry on with this total inflexibility uh, in this thing there's a way I can sort of adjust my behaviors. And I think that's great being able to accept it. Cause I'm a jeepers. I've been there in, in the past where I've taken feedback and it's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just doing it my way. You know, fuck that. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've said, we've said this on the podcast, haven't we though? That once you get to a certain age, you can just lock it in go, that's the way I am. Like it, I lump it. Well, yeah, but that, that, you know, as we're saying, we're, I guess we're never too old to change, you know, and and, oh, yeah. and, and I think that I, I love what we were talking about before about labels, because I know it's not a big thing for you, Andy, like, you know, you don't know, you, know, you don't, you don't like being labeled. And the more when you first said that, so for the benefit of John and, and people listening and Andy said, I think when we really started the podcast, you were like, I'm going to come on, but I'm not going to say what I do for a living. You do now, but, you know, you weren't going to do it. I'm a dad. I'm a runner. I'm a husband. I'm a dog uh, owner. Uh, I don't eat meat, but I'm not a vegan, you know. And I think we do. We do. I love what we've talked about here because we do grasp onto these labels that then define Mm. our behaviours. And I do worry. I mean, as Andy touched on before, you know, I think younger people and, uh, uh, you know, the journey we're all on in terms of identity and stuff, I, I'm all all on. But I think whether that's uh, sexual identity, gender, neurodiversity, all of those things that we now talk about that we never would, I'm all on that. But I definitely do think that as a, a, a society, our younger people definitely latch on to these things like being anxious and being you know these kind of things that as john says you know then it then you become that label and inflexible again whereas if we just say that's part of our it's part of our dna it's part of who we are we celebrate that but it doesn't stop us it doesn't stop us pushing ourselves doesn't stop us getting on stage and doing the tedx if we're a bit anxious about public speaking you know you know 
actually, these are things that you can you can choose to work on, can't you? You can say, oh, you know what? I'm never going to. A friend of mine um, I used to work with um, uh, had lots of opportunities to speak at big conferences. Uh, bit of an expert on his subject matter. Very nervous, right? Very nervous. And for years, he would flat out say, I'm not doing any public speaking gigs, even though people would lap up what he'd got to say. In the last sort of two years, that's gone the other way. He's now doing them. He's done them. He's pushed through that. And he, you know, quite a stubborn person. If you're listening, Rick, I love you loads, mate. But, you know, that he's pushed through that and he's now doing that stuff and he's enjoying it and he's elevated him to a different himself to a different place because he's he's stopped that self-limiting belief of himself that i'm not a, i'm too nervous to do public speaking and, and all that and i think that's ah those things make me tingle to to use a, a davism you know it really does a davism it, those brain thoughts it. make me tingle Davisms, I love those. Um, I I just wanted to just uh, just circle back a few minutes and said, uh, John, thanks for the masterclass. That was that was world class. I love that. I think one of the things I've, a lot a lot of coaches who are my friends do listen to this podcast, and very rarely do we have the opportunity to observe other coaches in action. You know, so we we kind of think our way is the only way, or am I any good? So for me personally, I found that fascinating, similar similar but completely different style to the way I would work. Dave, thanks for your transparency and openness, though, because I didn't warn you about that. So you could have gone, no, edit that out. Hey, but he didn't He didn't mention his wife, so it's all okay. Oh. <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing so well. <laughs> and I was just about to say as well, kudos to the person who gave you feedback in the first place, knowing knowing what could have happened. The bonkers thing is, we have I have conversations on here with the with you the, the people that come on here that I would not have outside of any I won't speak to anybody else about you know so I'm having this conversation on here and it's like yeah it's dust us yeah we've got hundreds of people <laughs> that, 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 that listen to it how mad is that let's go on you want to talk about something that's a bit personal go on a podcast and do it rather than it's just okay all right fair, fair <laughs> enough I know we've got a world-class coach on the podcast right now. Um, and that, I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about John Prince. Um, and time is money, and this guy could be earning a lot of money now coaching some other world-class performers. So I want to say thanks to John for not just the masterclass we've just witnessed, Class. but also for yeah. just taking the time um, just to, to come onto this podcast because you've really enhanced the dynamic today. I, I don't know what you think, Dave and Phil. Um, definitely definitely i, I just I, I you know the opportunity to think i think it's just for everyone isn't it to just think about like yourself who you are like who you want to be and and nothing is beyond us like in terms of trans transforming who we are but we do use these labels to ourselves or our own thoughts about ourselves that just stick us in a particular place and and I, I just think that's it's so powerful to have that that discussion that just goes you know is that is that what really what we what we want to be? I, but listen, I, I I I totally agree. Uh, totally agree. I think it's been I think it's been I think it's been awesome. You know, and I mean, I would love to have at some point, John. We'll have a, we'll have a. Whether we meet up and have a beer, or, or I'd, I'd love to know more about the poker element of it. I'm like, boom. when you mentioned that, I was just like, oh my word, right, okay, 
because life to me is like a game of poker. I, I talk about that a lot. Isn't that a Rain Man quote? <laughs> is it really? But and and I'd love to talk more about that because you know when you get into situations and and you, you're trying to read a situation and people give you more information and you're holding back and you don't say much. You get you know you're getting a you're finding out what's going on and then you hold your cards to the point of okay everyone's now said something and now I might play my card that. Wow, or maybe we are. Maybe we do another pod on that. That that would be that would be that would be incredible, mate. You know, but yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, no, look, I really really appreciate it. And and Dave, I want to acknowledge you for you know the conversation we had being open because coaching is easy when somebody's open to it, but when they're not, it's impossible. And it's like the people in our lives that we would love to help. And they're not open to it because they're not going to hear anything. And we might share a bit of advice. And then five years later, they're like, ah, yeah, that finally clicks. But when you're open to it, um, you know, the word Phil used, powerful. You guys are having powerful conversations. And I I really love what you're doing. And all of you are open and and willing to have those conversations. And it's going to be transformational for the people that are listening because – I think you, you may take it for granted as much as I do that it's quite rare for people to to have open conversations, authentic conversations, and that's what opens up new possibilities and allows you to to um, also impact the, the other people in your life because you show them that that's what's possible and you can really connect, right? There's no connection when we're closed up, um, but when you're open to that, yeah, it shows other people that that's possible and it and opens the door for them when they're ready. Mm. I think John, you were you wanted to know what talking cod is. You've just described it perfectly. No, we need to use that as a soundbite, Phil. Um, I've got to say that was it. You want to know what talking cod is? Listen to this. What John said. What John said. That's why we do it, and that's the feedback we get. Before I do some shout outs, and before Dave summarizes with his words of wisdom, um, just John, how do people get in touch with you, and you know, and why would they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, if anyone's got any questions following this um, podcast and they want to know more, then feel free to either connect with me on the website, which is theperceptioncoach.com, or you can find me on Instagram at theperceptioncoach and just send me a direct message and reference the podcast so I know um, you know where you're coming from. And, and if you've got any questions or you want to know more about coaching, then you know my door is open to to chat so that, that's the best places to find me really fantastic is there a book coming there do you know i have i've i can let you guys know you're probably the first people that i'm letting know that i've i have started writing a book and it kind of scares me to say that because um the prospect of writing a book is scary because i never done it but what's funny is um I, I I've had loads of people saying, when's your book coming out? Or have you written a book? And I've always been like, yeah, one day, one day, but one day never comes, right? There is no one day. And um, I've been affirming who I am as a person, like creating who I am. We're always creating who we are, you know, either we're living into the identities that we've had in the past, or we decide who we want to be. And then we step into that. And that is authentic and it's powerful. And I've been affirming to myself, um, I'm an accomplished coach, speaker and author every single day and what was funny was I started doing that a little while ago and then noticed that I just started writing a book it just happened one evening I opened a google docs and just started writing and the words started flowing out and I was like well I am an author 
Um, and you start to look for all the experiences in life where you are an author. You know, I've written lots of articles and you've written lots of emails. These are all parts of writing. Why not write a book? So um, it's in the pipeline for sure. Marvellous. I was just going to ask you a bunch of questions only for jokes. You know, what needs to change? What do you need to let go of? What impact will that have on other people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they're necessary. The, the, yeah. You know, those questions are the questions that help us see what we can't see. It's why I have a coach, why it's so powerful is we just can't see our own blind spots, no matter how great we might be at certain areas and not at other areas. We just don't know what we don't know. Yeah. As Dave shared with us on, on this podcast brilliantly. Um, so be- before, thank you from me as well. Uh, genuinely, I've, uh, I've learned a lot from this, this last hour or so. It's been, My pleasure. It's been transformational for me. So thank you for sharing that. Um, a few shout outs as well this week. Um, ben Whitaker and Mike Walker from the Edgy, Edgy Futurists. Um, I turned up at one of my events yesterday, so it was really good to see them in the flesh. Um, so shout out to Edgy Futurist as well, who've got a great podcast. Um, Pete Connor, who also turned up, he's one of our listeners. now, Dave, not listener. Um, he's been messaging in as well. Really appreciates the things we've been talking about recently. Um, and a very, 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 very quick story. Um, I ran in Cumbria over the weekend um, and it was a club race. And I told myself, I'm not racing, I'm not being competitive. I'm just going to have a, have a bit of a bimble and just doing a training session. Halfway around it, I'm thinking, I really want to race this now. I've got a few people at the club I want to beat. And one of those people, Lee, came alongside me when I was like kind of zoning out a little bit. And I went, I'll listen to your podcast, Andy. Like, thank you very much for sharing that little bit about regret because it made such a difference that I've never spoke, I've not heard people talk about regret before so openly and it made me think about something I'd regretted and I see it completely different. So thank you. So thank you for sharing that with me, Lee, and thank you for taking me off my game completely because I, I failed towards the end of that race and I think it was your strategy to beat me and it won <laughs> and it worked. So cheers for that. Um, Dave, Phil, any final, any final thoughts on today's podcast? No, loved it. Yeah, great. Um, um, I just think the whole thing of looking inwards sometimes and also looking outwards, looking at what people, being open to those sort of discussions with other people, like it's so hard. It really is hard to sort of go, what do you think of me? What do you, what's your perception of me? You know, because you are opening that can of worms that says you, you just literally don't know what that feedback's going to be. But in my experience, when I did that, and I should do it more, like that was a brilliant process for me and it, it it just filled me with warmth but also with confidence in 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 who in who I am and who I could be brilliant cheers phil dev talk us out of the show yeah i mean my my little nugget is is from what what you said john we don't know what we don't know i think that's pretty that's pretty cool that and to constantly remember that because if you remember that i think you'll give yourself the you will have the openness to think to think differently but yeah it's been class boys been absolutely class uh just iterating what phil and andy have said john thanks so much mate thanks so much and let's uh let's look at getting you back on here as soon as possible yeah sounds great thank you so much for having me and and yeah i'll be up for that round two in the near future ding ding (laughs) round two bosh (laughs) 